Welcome in to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, we are excited. Uh, you know, some of these interviews that we do, and, and we go a little deeper, you know, for a 45-minute interview, uh, are prompted by things that keep coming up on the show. And uh, one of the things that, that has been coming up on the show is because, you know, Bubba and I have been talking about this for, you know, 29 full years now working on trying to get 30 in. You know, we don't actually do Christian radio, but we are Christians who do radio. Uh, and so a lot of uh, theological discussions, they do come up on the show. They're part of what we do. In one hour, you could have that. The next hour, you could have the latest sports scores. Uh, the next hour, you could talk about something that happened to us at Walmart. And then in the very last segment, we could go politics. All that in, in one hour. So, But one of the things, Bubba, that people have brought up is certain Big time, I'm talking about churches that are getting large and large and large, and they're cranking out all of these modern praise and worship songs, and and people are starting to get a little concerned who do have some idea or some depth of uh, theological knowledge are saying some of these lyrics and some of the things, should we be concerned about this? Uh, so um, I know that uh, worship leaders all over the country are, are dealing with this. Their congregations are asking about that. Pastors are coming in and saying, look, don't do that song. And and so what we wanted to do is, is talk to a worship pastor uh, that is on the front lines uh, that's doing that now. And Kirkwood Bullis is going to join us today. He has a Master of Divinity in the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has a bachelor's degree from Belmont University. Uh, so, Kirkwood, welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. What's up? Thank you. Thank you. And let me apologize to your listeners that the first five worship pastors were not available. So you know. Well, <laughs> just as, as I said— Look, uh, just the top ten yeah. is pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can I say this? Number six. Do you really think Bubba and I were the first choice for this radio show? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've told me that story. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, oh, not, not exactly the first choice for many out there who thought they knew what they were doing. So, uh, no, I'm gl- the reason why that I want to bring you— in and you know I've got a great friendship with uh, Adler's dad, uh, Michael Adler. You, it's one of your mentors. Oh, you, you meet with him often, and you guys discuss and you get advice from him. But the reason why I thought of you on this particular one is I know that you and I have had conversations where you have looked at a praise and worship song and, and made a decision that that some of it was not theologically sound, and you either took a couple of those lines out because you thought the song otherwise was good or you, or you didn't do them at all. So I know this is something that you are currently dealing with. I mean, Michael Adler just announced that he'll be retiring. So, uh, he's kind of said, all right, well, well, good luck to y'all out there. No, no, he's, he'll still be, he'll still be a great resource for a lot of people, but you're currently dealing with it. Uh, and so I, I, I wanted to talk to you about that, but before we get into that, okay, let's get a little Kirkwood background. Oh, okay. Um, believe it or not, Bubba, Kirkwood actually had a run as a stand-up comic. Uh, what a regrettable part of my history that is. <laughs> you know, I can see that. I can see that. Maybe you, that's you, Kirkwood, you kind of look funny. Yeah, you know? There's no <laughs> question. I was going to say, yeah, you're not si- sitting close enough to me. It gets funnier the closer that you get. Trust me. No, I remember that. It was I, when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was trying to make a run at it, and I did. I don't think I've told you this story, but there was this one time I went to an open mic thing. And I was like, well, if I just get, if I can get one laugh, I'll be okay. Because they always say you're going to bomb when you when you start off. And I remember I did this whole thing, and I got one laugh. I was like, okay, so I didn't completely bomb. And then I sit down, I was feeling pretty good about myself. And the next guy in the open mic night gets up, and he does his bit. And his entire bit is about how stupid I look. And he does five <laughs> minutes on that. And it brings the house down. Brings the house down. 
He's like, I had some other stuff prepared, but this guy is an idiot. And he just would just lay. So you were me. you were his bit. I was his bit. I yeah. was his bit. And you know, so that was that was uh, my introduction to the world of stand up comedy. Well well, how did you end up as a worship leader? Because I know also, you know, and, and you still at times do get to go and, and preach and, and and teach. You also felt a, a draw to to being a pastor or uh and, and, and worship leader is where God has you now. How did that happen? Well, it was a long process because I, my, my father's a pastor, and I kind of had this idea in my head that there was no way that I was going to go into the family business. And to skip a lot of steps in the story, the Lord revealed to me that all of my upbringing and my heritage from my father, he gave that to me on purpose so that I could use that as a pastor myself. Like, that's my way of—that's that, the way that he gave me of participating in his kingdom, and then it just happened— that um, I, I wasn't even uh, on musical staff at this small church in Nashville, but but uh, Valleydale took a chance on me over six years ago, and I guess the rest is is history because I've just the 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 Lord funneled me into this, and I've I've really found my lane. I just have such a passion to do this now. I want to I want to bubble him tell you about this because Valleydale is a church in Birmingham. It's a church where I'm uh, Sherry and I are currently members, and our youngest son is a member too, but. Valleydale has been a church, as you know, because you you live in the same area. It, it went through a period of time of of not having a pastor for for very long. And we had all kinds of riffraff preaching at that point. I know we'll get to yeah. that. We'll get yeah. to that. But so you get this. I think I feel called to be a worship leader. But then you get at a church. I mean, let's just talk about it. Sure. Praise God, where the church is now. But it's been a journey. So when you got there and there was so much turnover and the church couldn't quite get solidified and there were some debt issues there and those really couldn't be addressed because the pastors wouldn't stay and then you had interims. And here you are as a new worship leader having to prepare services. I know that when I came and tried to help a little bit, I mean, I got somewhat involved in planning the service, but most of these men – had other churches or yeah. had other things they were doing, you were put in kind of a unique situation. And at the time, I was frustrated by it. You know, I let, I let it get get to me a little bit. I remember being kind of angry. You know, the, the the joke that was on me was constantly like I would, I would ask the other staff pastors there, like, so what do I do for this event? Missions conference is coming up. Easter's coming up. And you're like, they're like, you know what? Don't reinvent the wheel. Just do it like you did last year. Okay, see you. And they'd walk out and be like, I wasn't here last year, so uh, could we how could we make the, could we make this conversation last a little bit longer? Um, but now that I look at it, uh, now that I look back on it, I see that the Lord really gave me a gift because um, during that during that time, without a pastor, expectations were mercifully low, and right. I was really learning a new role in a new area. You know, I'd just become a dad. You know. We've got four kids now. We made short work of that. Yes, but um, there was just a lot that I that I needed to learn, and the Lord really gave me that that padding time to to learn it. Praise Him. How many years was it in flux? It was two full years before wow. Pastor Mac Brunson, the Reverend Doctor yes. Mac Brunson, Doctor yes. Doctor Mac yes. Brunson, so came to be with us. Let's go ahead and get this all. You know, we you and I've dealt with this, and our fr- and our friendship survived. Um, I was contacted by one of the elders. Yes, you were. And they said, would you, we're having to fill, and this really, imagine how exhausting that was, Bubba. You had to find somebody <laughs> and say how long you could get it. Could you do six weeks for us? Yeah. 
and they came and talked to me, and I talked to Sherry about it, and, and I was pretty excited about the opportunity, but you were not. Uh, when, when, <laughs> yeah, when, when you first, I mean, let's, okay. let's we're going to go let, there. Let, yeah, That's of great. course, it's Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. That's right. This is where you Long hear things that conversation. Well, this about is where you you, find, you hash it out. You find nuggets you wouldn't get on the main show. So you you were concerned. I you, was concerned. Well, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about what you and, and Bubba have been doing. I didn't know anything about your faith. All I I was scared to death, and we're, this actually is a good segue into what we're going to talk about in a minute, but I was scared to death that we were just going to become one of those churches that was all about the spectacle. Let's get someone who's a name. Let's get someone with a platform. Let's put them in the pulpit, regardless of what their theology is, regardless of their ability as a speaker. We just got to get butts in the seats. Let's do that. And um, that was the birth of our friendship because you let me come to lunch with you, and I just went out on a limb and told you that that's what I was feeling. And you said, "Oh, this is going to go really well because you were just honest." Um, and and so we've yeah we've been friends ever since then. Even yeah. even though I still have a proclivity to wear white belts from time to time, you still maintain your friendship with me. Well, and what happened was, yeah, if you don't mind your your uh, clothing being critiqued. Uh, Rick gets that honestly from his brother. <laughs> yes, he does. So the very first service we do together, uh, I'm asking okay. I'm asking everybody about what's the what's appropriate. You know, because some churches have different yeah. things that are appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was told by one I talked to Kirkwood, and he said it's really quite casual. He said, you know, you could come in there in jeans and a button down, yeah. untucked, <clears throat> or whatever, and and be fine. So I I, I show up to get ready for the first service, and Kirkwood has taken casual to a place I didn't know it would go. Okay. So he, he had gotten this little button-down, Western-looking shirt. Yep. And and I walked up, and my first words ever to speak, when you and I are, are, are being able to bring people into worship together, you through music, me through the message, our first time to get to do that together, I walk up and I say, I asked Kirkwood about the proper dress for this. And he said casual, but I didn't know he'd come dressed as Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> and the place down. went crazy. They were desperate. <laughs> they were, they were, de- I'd only I'm been there a couple a, of months. Kirkwood, I'm seeing a running theme here about people that go to the microphone to make fun of the way you look. <laughs> it's funny because he got such a big response from that that I, they, then after that, they let it just be me who would sort of coach the new speakers that would come in. And, and they were like, well, how do I, you know, how do I endear myself to the congregation? And I'd be like, just make fun of whatever I'm wearing that day. <laughs> so that's how all, if you go back and listen to the sermons, that's how most of them begin. Yeah. You know? Well, our friendship, as you said, uh, developed through that experience. And we'll come back now that we've kind of laid the groundwork and we'll, we'll jump in. And I will tell people one of the first things that God used to endear you to me as far as trusting you as the person who is, you know, you're bringing everybody into worship is is when we started having conversations about the topic today. And when I heard how serious you were about it, uh, it was something that uh, that really drew me to you as a man of God. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so let's talk about Patriot Mobile. Uh, I mean, when, when, when you're out there, and, and, and if we're honest, we all struggle with this. I'm supporting companies that blaspheme God, uh, that do not share my conservative point of view of things politically, uh, and I feel like I'm just throwing money in their coffer, and then what do we say? But where am I going to go? Yeah, where do you land? Well, it, when it comes to your cell service, Patriot Mobile gives you an alternative. 
they uh, how about this? They, all their services on all three of the major networks. You're 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 with the big three. The service is great. So if you if you like the big three as far as how their their performance, but you don't like their values, you need to be with Patriot Mobile. Uh, they have a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with their coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers, and you can do that for free. So see, that's how confident they are. Uh, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offering nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks so you can get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Uh, Now, the new year has started, and so why don't you say, I've been wanting to deal with this. I'm going to stop supporting companies that don't align with, with the way I, uh, my values line up in this world and, 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 and spiritually. Well, it's a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, and they make switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Rick Bubba. Put our names together. No and there. Rick Bubba, or you can call them 878-PATRIOT. And with our code, Rick Bubba, you get free activation today. Rick Bubba's the code. PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba or 878-PATRIOT. Back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, Kirkwood Bullis is our guest. Uh, he is worship pastor at Valleydale Church in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and uh, he, that's where I'm a member now. We met each other. We told that backstory a little bit. But I remember the first time that you and I had a conversation, and I could tell that you were very passionate about the main issue of today's podcast, and that, that was a concern that uh, some of the most popular praise and worship songs didn't do real well if they were scrutinized by the Word of God. The theology was starting to get a little, a little dicey. Well, I wouldn't say starting to. It I'd is, say yeah. it's a, well, and I'm that, trying to be nice. I, well, here's the thing. This problem, this problem goes back way, way before the idea of the worship wars. You know, the worship wars, that's what we used to refer to, that huge struggle that began um, way back in the 60s in California, came east by the time of the 1970s. It was the struggle between the old music yeah. and the new music. But the interesting thing is, if you go back to the quote-unquote old music, you know, the Baptist hymnal from the early 20th century— you're actually going to find a decent amount of songs that also don't survive that same scrutiny. Right. But I'm not even done. You can go back, and I sent you this article, you can go back 1,800 years to the Arian controversy with Arius himself. So and I, this is the kind of stuff you're probably talking about in your Wednesday Bible study. I know you're familiar with this. Absolutely. But just quickly, you have Arius who was able to gain... Uh, a truly incredible number of converts to a heresy that Christ was a created being as opposed to God himself. How did he do that? Well, he did it with music, Mm. and it happened to be music that spoke the most to common people. It was the kind of music that was easily learned by people that were at that time illiterate. So music has an immense power. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Music has immense power over our minds and hearts, and it is the primary way, historically, that that uh, theology is spread and learned by the congregation. So this has been established to work, which is why we're just seeing it again. The adversary, uh, which would include false prophets, apostates, they've always used music as one of their tools to indoctrinate people into bad theology. If there are any, if there are any good theologians, and you know these, fa- most of the time the false prophets are 
um, well, I won't say most of the time, but many times false prophets are sincere. They are like 100% convinced that their way is the way. And so what do they do? Well, they figure out the best way to, sh- to share their way. You know, you've probably seen, uh, some, some people out there, if you're fans of worship music, you might have seen some, um, some crazy music. Uh, have you ever seen The Renewed Mind is the Key? It's just really, it's really strange music, but it completely went viral. And people are like, I can't believe that Christians are listening to this music. Well, if you dig into it, it's from uh, it's it's from a uh, basically a cult. I think it's the the Way International, and they're uni- they're Unitarian. And I'm I'm getting too far into the weeds, but what I'm saying is, music is a tool that that works for everybody. Well, Bubba, you and I know what do people tell us about their kids all the time? My oh, kid, they love my, that hook, and they our kids yeah. sing Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. They can't get it out of their minds. Uh, so talk, me, but what I'm saying is, it does work. Uh, I hear what you you guys are saying. Do we have any examples that you would actually say, hey, this? I don't feel comfortable with. Show us what you're talking about. Well, or do you feel uncomfortable going on the record with that? Well, sometimes I feel I feel uncomfortable, but I'll give you I'll give you one softer example, and then uh, then Rick definitely wants to talk about a harder example. A soft example is we've all heard this we've all heard this really wonderful song, and it is a wonderful song. What a beautiful name it is! Beautiful name it is. Beautiful in the name of Jesus Christ, my King. Everything's wonderful. Then you get to the second verse. And you lead off the second verse with this line is, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. And you're, list- and you're looking at it, and you're like, you didn't want heaven without us. Now, this is a soft example because there, I'm being charitable here. There's a sense in which that's true. Mm-hmm. Like God would not have redeemed us if he didn't want to bring us, if he didn't right. want to bring us right. there. But is that the primary reason that he accomplished his redemption through Christ? No, it's not. So that's an example of a song where it's like, well, you can give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's unclear. And so it's not wise for me as a worship pastor to give it the benefit of the doubt, because I can't be guaranteed that they're learning the theology around that statement. I have to make sure that it's right as we say it. That was about six years ago, maybe seven, that that song came out. But then there was one, two, three years ago, Reckless Love, that came out. Yeah, Rick's shaking his head. Right now, uh, that that really that really shook um, that really got people talking because it was talking about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Um, I should say before I l- let Rick loose here that the reason that that song became so controversial is because it has an excellent melody. Oh yeah, it's, it's a, fantastic! It's a great jam in six-eight time. I mean, it just feels great to mm-hmm. sing. You feel like you're praising the Lord with everything you got. It's really well arranged. But that word reckless, um, when applied to who God is, is just, well, if you'll forgive me, that's actually pretty reckless to say that. Well, we can't say it. And, 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 <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I will tell you, when it was being sung in a service I was in, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I turned and looked at my wife and I said, I think I'm going to have to leave. And, 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 and I said, I feel so oppressed in my spirit right now Yikes. that God is being called something that is blasphemy. He he says he's a god of order. He is not reckless. He is sovereign. He and 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 I and then and then I thought, which I think we should do. I said, I'm gonna give the guy benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna go research him answering the question. When I heard his answer, I hated it even more. Yeah. I mean his, his you know what he basically said, which is a mistake, especially look, I've been there. I've been there. Sometimes we get to this with young pastors. 
I want to say something the way nobody's ever said it, so I can. Yeah, be that, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Is, is and this what, a situation uh, where you're trying to be sharp, and you, and, you want to stretch uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the meaning of everything, and <laughs> and instead of just looking at a board and saying it's a board, you want to, you know, you yeah. want to twist it and, you know, look at it from six different angles and call it something else. Yeah, a wise man once said to a young pastor. There's a reason none of us have ever said it that way before. Right, because it's exactly. wrong. You know, and, <laughs> well, and, 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 and so the reckless thing, and then if you get into the song, and it is a great song if you were just listening to a song. Sure. But the worst part, it says he's recklessly coming after me. And then if you keep going, it's almost like God is this brokenhearted person in love with me, and he's chasing me recklessly because he can't live without me, and he's just got to get me. And, and 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 suddenly you almost now hear that God is worshiping me. He can't believe That's me. That's a scary thought. He, he isn't can't it? live without me. He's got to come get me. And 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 I'm telling you that song is probably one of the more grotesque reasons. Grotesque, okay. Yeah, that, well, because I'm telling you, can you imagine walking up to the throne? of the one and only living God who says, I am a God of order. Sure, sure. I am not a God of chaos. I am sovereign. I am, always have been. I'm omniscient. I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. And I go, I think you're reckless. <laughs> and, uh, well, and, the- and, and, and it's like, you can't get over me. <laughs> Your emotions run you. Well, and, and that uh, entire that entire I, mindset. I got a real problem with that, and 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 my spirit has a real problem with that. Is this the which rant is more that, important? Is this the rant that you gave at that conference one time where well, you where the guy well, had to cross it well, off? The unfortunately, list. it wasn't one time. It was I think only about two weeks ago. Oh uh, boy, okay. I, I, I the the message went down that road. Little did I know the worship leader had that long that song lined up to play next <laughs> as the response. You know, it does. Uh, make, and they said he just took his pen. Timing and, is everything. He just took it? his pen and crossed it out. And went and, and and came up with another, but but that but what but what gets me I think what's what's so important about this is we look back at the beginning of the fall of mankind, and we see the adversary not coming in here, you know, like a big scary monster to Eve and sure and sure. I, I want to get God and I don't like God. He walked in and said, "Is that what God really said?" <laughs> right. And and I think these. Throughout time, you're you're correcting. It's not a new thing, but throughout time, these things, these hymns, these things we love to sing, are now his tool to say to you in your mind: Is God really a God of order? Is it, it might be a little reckless? Well, you know, did he really say he wasn't <laughs> reckless? And and then before you know it, he builds a version of God that is blasphemy. It, it it's not God. And and the worst part is it turns into. God is worshiping me. I'm not worshiping him. That, and that's the danger. So me. you're wise to just then trace what happens on that slippery slope because that that's the end result of, of the mindset of, well, you know, God is just overwhelmingly in love with me. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Like his love is far beyond anything we could ask or imagine. And uh, it's certainly not. It certainly should not be equated with our human love. You know that right. falls far short of what God can do. So there's a sense in which that's true, but the problem is that, uh, well, the pro- as Matt Chandler says a lot, the problem with that is the Bible. Right. And the Bible also, the Bible says that God is equal parts wrathful and vengeful Correct. and jealous for His glory. So if you're focusing too much on one side, 
then you're not giving the people that are singing these songs a balanced diet. You know, like if we only ever did um, songs that had, you know, that the Seven Eleven rule, you know, seven words eleven times. Like if we only ever did that, well then. Uh, again, we can't necessarily trust that the people in our congregation are going to are going to have a a good breadth of knowledge of who God is. So that's why we need to spread out a little bit. And I think that the reckless love song is actually an example of a particular stream of theology taken to close to its end point. And the, wh- and what I'm interested in is how did that happen? Like. I want to reverse engineer that. And we, you know, that was that was something we were talking about before the the show here like how did we get to this unique point in history in the first place? Do you want to talk about that or did you have yeah, something yeah, else? Yeah, no, let's come back and talk about that. And uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with Kirkwood Bullis on this edition of Rick and Bubba University the podcast. So, let's uh, let's talk a little bit but about our buddies at Manscaped Bubba. You and I and I know Kirkwood, he's been very intrigued with this. This is not a coincidence. Right. Well, can I tell you what's great about this? And I just got mine. I wear a beard. Kirkwood, you wear a beard. I grew it out for the show. Yeah, Bubba, you're off the hook on this one. I'm scruffy. But you know how much we love their trimmer and everything? They now have come out with products for those of us who don the beard. Uh, Beard Hedger Pro Kit. This is wonderful. I just got mine. I just started using it. At times, I can have what nobody likes, a weird beard. A you, weird, it gets oh, scraggly. Yeah. Some of it's going this strays. way. This is not it. And so uh, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything. It's got the titanium-coated T-blade. It's tough on hair, but it's smooth on the face. I like that. Leading to single-stroke efficiency. Look how smooth it is. Brings that satisfaction with just one stroke it, at a time. And it just feels good, the yeah. quality oh. of it. You can just tell when you hold it in your hand. Yes. It's built well, you know. Beard shampoo and conditioner. Why are you using what you use for your, the hair on your head? You don't use that on your Such beard. That's a good point. So they have a beard shampoo and conditioner. It's great. Beard oil. Yeah, Got to keep it favorite. oiled. My wife didn't like when I don't do that because she says it gets coarse and it's mm-hmm. and it hurts up against her face. Bubba and, and I were talking about this. The oil's the key. The oil. Yeah. So beard oil. It's an essential piece of our facial accessories. Beard balm. Uh, sometimes you take the balm and you rub it in. Keep your beard straightened. You can kind of you know style it and get it the way you want it. There's that, a balm in Gilead and one on your face. That is so <laughs> good. So right now it comes with three free gifts too. It's got a beard brush. It's got a comb and scissors. And uh, look, if if your beard's messy, don't blame Manscaped. I mean they've got that ain't every, their fault. That ain't their fault. So go right now to uh, Manscaped.com. Use the code. Here's the code that you need to use today. Bubba twenty. So use the code Bubba20. We get you 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com, Bubba20. Get the Beard Hedger one-stroke guard and 20 links to go with it, and that full kit right now at manscaped.com, code Bubba20. Kirkwood Bullis is our guest, worship leader. We're taking on, uh, you know, should we be concerned about uh, some of the lyrics that are now finding their way and the modern worship songs, and you ask the question going to the break, how did we get here? Yeah. Curse what I got to tell yeah. you, I haven't seen Rick this fired up about something since I told him that Marshmallow was producing the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he yeah. is really on fire for this. I'm so glad he agreed to be our special guest on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so important, though, so important. All right, so so anyway, um, uh, it's always subtle and before you know it. But anyway, so, 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 so how, how did we get here? 
we're at a unique point in in history, and it's it still boggles my mind a little bit. Uh, you can kind of trace back to, like we said, the worship wars. Well, what was happening there? Well, a big part of that was people saying, I just can't believe you want to do songs outside the hymnal. Okay, then you start asking yourself, well, why do we have hymnals in the first place? My generation doesn't even understand this because, and I, I don't blame them for that. It was never taught. But hymnals were put together by um, by men and women that were very, very educated in the scriptures, and they were editing like a large group of songs, picking only the best ones, the best ones melodically and theologically, and putting it into like a canon, so to speak, mm. a canon of songs that they knew were going to be not just accept, acceptable, but excellent and help their entire denomination. And so it was the denomination's responsibility to say, well, these are our songs. This is what we're going to stick to, because we know that this is good for the discipleship of the people. Well, that has all gone by the wayside with with modern music. Not not necessarily that the songs aren't good anymore. I would argue that the modern songs, there's plenty of modern songs oh, yeah. that are excellent. Absolutely. The problem is there's no accountability there anymore. You know, we're a Southern Baptist church. We're congregationally led. Um, Southern Baptists aren't a true denomination in the sense that there's not a church governance board that can tell us what songs to sing and when to sing them. So that's a, already a unique point in history. And you can combine that with, I would say, one or two other things. One thing is the the rise of the music industry in general. You know, since the the dawn of I, I don't know what what was Thomas Edison's first thing was it the phonograph or something like that light bulb something mm. yeah the light bulb which played music I guess I was going a different direction with that. <laughs> well he had to have a light bulb to see what disc he was playing there you that's go. a great point yeah. so Thomas is, Edison is putting the first CDs uh-huh. there on his anyway so this is right before the 20th century and 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 suddenly the music industry is beginning to take off and and I'll skip a lot of the intervening years, but you come to this place now where music is a huge business yeah. and um, and worship has exploded in terms of the amount of money that's out there. Because and I think the home studio made a big difference, too. When you mm-hmm. could do at your house what you used to have to go pay big money to get hours to do, That I think that changed mm-hmm. a lot. It changed so many things. The biggest thing that's that that has changed is now there's just so much music. There's yeah. a glut of music. Like you, people will send me new songs all the time. Like, man, this sounds great. What is this? And I'll go to it on Spotify. It's got like maybe a thousand plays. Right. But it sounds incredible. It right. sounds just just to as your good. Point, yeah. Something out of Nashville. So that that that's a I I I think that's that's actually a really good thing. The way that it's bad is that you have big money operations. And I'm talking about the, the the absolute biggest churches, like your Hillsong, your Elevation. You mentioned Reckless Love. That came out of Bethel Church in Redding, California. And Bethel's got some dandy theology. We'll get into that. We we will we will go there, because I'm, I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. But but the, the point is, they, they've now built a business model. They have to make enough music, and, and they have to get it in front of you so that you can buy it and continue to perpetuate this industry that they're now dependent on. So that's another unique part. You have you have the fact that there's no governance. You have the fact that like people are just cranking out music. And then the third thing that I would add to that is um, and I think you you Rick probably know more about this than I do, but the fastest de- growing denomination in the world right now is ding 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 Pentecostalism. And that began, you know, people trace that back to Charles Finney in the late um, the late 19th century, pretty much, but you have this, um, for, in many ways, like a 
shall we say, um, not traditionally orthodox theology that has completely redefined what a lot of different words mean. Words like miracle, that's top of the list, but also even like blessing, even faith. And so now you're seeing these words used in different ways in songs, and it can be really, really confusing because the writer of the song meant something very different than what the Bible meant using that same word. All, all of those three data points together, I think, have created this, um, this kind of uh, this confusing atmosphere, and that's probably the reason why you have so many people calling in to talk with you about it, Rick. Well, I think it's what people get. I think you just hit it. At one time, we almost handled it like we did scripture. There was a canon. You yes. would canonize the hymn book. Is it in the hymnal? Right. And we're singing canon it. Canon coming from the word cane or measuring stick. Thank you, Bubba. Excellent. And uh, But now I can crank out anything from anywhere, and if some worship leader grabs it and says, I think we're singing this, there's no one helping to filter. Now, what you would hope, and I know you've done it. Yes. What you would hope is that a worship leader would be so theologically sound, they wouldn't allow anything to be done in the service that could not pass biblical scrutiny. And I know you look at them, and is this okay for me to talk about? Because I guess you have the rights to do it, or you wouldn't be doing it, that you have actually taken taken lyrics out but left the song because of the other parts were theologically sound. If there were things you thought, I don't really... I think that's going to confuse people. You've actually taken it out, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I've done that at least one time. Right. Um, Would that I, be your own arrangement? Is that a nice mm, way to put it? Yeah, that's <laughs> our, our arrangement of yeah. it. I'm not sure how much I want to do it in the future because the right, that, that, that's another part. It could get ugly, part. yeah. It could get ugly. Valleydale's still a small enough church where it's probably not that much of a problem. But that gets back to the music industry thing. It used to be, you know, we have these, when Billingsley was on here, he was talking about doing those American Standard songs, which I'm glad I'm holding the line since he's all secular now. But those, <laughs> all of those, all of those American Standard right. songs, you can change whatever you want. They're, you know, they're, they're old. They belong like, to the public. public right. domain. Well, yeah, a lot yeah. of these songs are not public domain. So it's te- you're technically not supposed to change so the you, lyrics. So you, you wouldn't do that if you thought that was the case. And they're going to clamp down on that. But what I'm saying is, if ever if we would do a better job, I think, of maybe scrutinizing who gets to be worship leader, then it ought to take care of itself. You you could throw bad theology at these worship leaders all day, but they would they would never use it. That's another bad and good thing that's happened with right. with denominations. Right. You know, the 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 Presbyterians, you know, and, and the PCA is still wonderfully biblically conservative, to say nothing of their mode of baptism, but they're they're like <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd love that. Just lay that down. I right love. There. I, you're right. I so have no, wonderful, that's fine. Send wonderful. your email straight to that's Kirkwood. Right. That's, we're all human beings. There's going to be something we're not right on. Kirkwood at rickandbubba.com. Right. <laughs> so you can forward that to yours. So that, but there, there's a lot of great um, conservative denominations that they still do police that really carefully. We're not going to put you in this role unless you have a degree in theology. Well, the Baptist Church, because. Uh, we're congregationally led, which I think is a very biblical approach. Yeah, there's not there's not that same accountability, and then you combine that again. I'm getting historical here. You combine that with the fact that all this new music is coming out in the late 20th century. Most of it's played on acoustic guitar. Now the old people play an acoustic guitar, so you get this young guy in, and he's only there because he has the musical ability, right? Not the leadership or pastoral ability. And this really goes back to an an axe that I grind occasionally. I'm grateful that we have this at Valleydale. The senior pastor is ultimately the worship leader. 
He's, I mean, we know that yeah. Christ is the ultimate worship leader, but you see what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. in that local church, the senior pastor is the one that's going to that's going to guide that and has to be like the final. Um, yeah. The buck has to He's stop. He's the head there. coach. Right. Yeah. yeah. The buck has to stop there. All right. We'll come back and we'll wrap up our time together with Kirkwood Bullis on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. All right, so we're with Kirkwood Bullis, uh, worship pastor, Valleydale Church, Master of Divinity from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, has a bachelor's degree from Belmont University. I think you've done a great job of saying, here's why we find ourselves in this place. But now I want to ask you a specific question, and you can guide us on this. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a problem. Or no, really, I don't think it's. I think we can still pull that off. So we now have in in our country, and I'm speaking of well, not really, because uh, Hillsong's everywhere. Yeah. And I guess Bethel maybe and all that too. So right now we got we have a, and I'm just going to use them as example because we all know them. Sure. These are three giant music producing churches: Hillsong, Bethel. Elevation. Huge. They're cranking it out. Big time. They're huge. But theologically... There's a lot of points of disagreement. Okay. Thank you. A lot of word of faith. That's correct. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. And define of, that for everybody. Well, that, that's your health, wealth, and prosperity. That's you, where you, it ends you, up. You, yeah. You have your... You can evoke certain words to get God to do certain things. That's the problem. And uh, over on Bethel, they'll they'll go grave-sucking to pull out the gifts from the, uh, per, the person of faith and some really odd things. Um, but what I'm saying is this. Even if the song... Now, this is where I'm probably... And you can say, hey, look, red flag, we're all right. Okay. <laughs> Even if the song theologically is okay. We blew by grave sucking. But, well, research these churches for yourself. They're not sure. hiding. You can hear their... It's just a strange right. term. Oh, is it ever? Yeah. So anyway... Even the songs that pass the theological test, we sure. think, but they're coming from these three sources. Right. Is there a danger that because I'm so enamored with how good these songs are, and they are good, that suddenly I start drifting toward their theology from the church with which it came? Um, I think that there is a there's possibly a danger there. You know, I I'd say personally, and and I have trusted colleagues that would disagree with me on this. Personally, I think that the the power is much greater in the hands of the senior pastor of the church and the worship pastor and other pastors if they're faithful. So I, I don't worry about that too much. To get a little bit more cynical with it, though, like if if you say, like, well, we're not going to sing Bethel songs because of, because of their theology, even if it's a good song. We're not going to do that with Elevation Hills, everything else. Then, then you end up saying, well, it's just a shame that we can't sing It As Well anymore. You know, I really like that one. So sorry that Horatio Spafford died a heretic. We can't do uh, It As Well anymore. Okay. And there's other stories like that as well. So be you, careful on that road. You have to. That, yeah. that That's a good a word. You just have to measure well. everything yeah. on its own. I mean, everything has to stand on its own merit, right? Yes. Um, and I think it's why, like from time to time, and I've had great conversations with people. They're like, I would really like to do this Bethel song, you know, and they're, and, and I'm like, you know, I really love that song. Um, I love the melody and the feel of that song, but take a look at this. That's a little bit rough. And they're like, oh, okay, good point. But why'd you do this other song? I'm like, oh, well, because I really, you know, I actually like what they're saying here. It's useful. We're going to do a Bethel song on Sunday, The Goodness of God. That is a wonderful song of assurance. We're going to use that song to celebrate being out of debt. I have 
zero problems with it. It actually shows a lot of different parts of the character of God, and it's been and it's ministered to our church. So, yeah, that's. I think I said that phrase earlier. I I choose not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's a, that's why I asked you. I, th- I think that's wise to say. Well, if we go down that road, you're going to find all kinds of authors of the past that didn't finish well. Uh, but their song was theologically sound. Right. So if the song is theologically sound, and I think the thing you hit on this was the most, and we've talked about this a lot. We did a series uh, by uh, by Packer, Knowing God. Oh yeah. To where he cool. says you must know all the characteristics of God, not some, because if you get them all, then you understand how wonderful it is that He has offered us deliverance. He has offered us redemption. Because he's judge, because he's wrath, because he is, you know, holy. Holiness. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if you're presenting the entire picture of God, tell his whole story. Don't just pick your favorite parts. Well, and, and please don't say things about him that he says he's not. <laughs> we, we humans are terrible multitaskers in comparison to God. You know, I know you guys, you guys are radio guys. I'm amazed with how well you can multitask and be thinking and talking and texting and whatever you need to do to keep the show going. But even that pales in comparison to God, who's everywhere, <laughs> yes. who's everywhere at once, everything My that Lord. he's able to do. And, and you hit on it. It's worth repeating. Um, he, is, he is the embodiment of love. That is so important, but you can't stop there because he's simultaneously the embodiment of wrath. He's simultaneously the embodiment of justice and holiness, and not to mention all of the other fruit of the Spirit. He's the source of all those things. So if you focus in too much on one, I mean, we all we all know how to how to do a, a diet. You know, I'm talking to the two sexiest fat men in the world, right? You don't want to just eat all carbs or all fats or all whatever. It's the exact same thing. With the um, with with, with worship music. sing worship music, yeah, I mean because one of the things I, when I talk about some of these that drift, there's there's also this line sometimes you watch that somehow God withheld His wrath completely, but He didn't. He just poured it out on His Son. He didn't withhold it. So it's it's so strange uh, yeah, to us, yeah, isn't yeah, it? He poured it out on His Son, which is a great thing to hear. But please don't act like, see, that's back to us elevating ourselves a little bit. Oh, he withheld it from us. No, no, he just put it, He had. he's holy. For us to ever enter back and for us to ever return to where we were supposed to be, we had to be redeemed, and only his son could redeem us. And so the wrath went ahead and was poured out because back to all the characteristics, it had to be. But You're it was exactly poured right. out on the son, and so we don't need to start presenting some other story uh, as if God just all of a sudden said, ah, I think I'll just not do the wrath part. Because well, then that gets into universalism. Well, why didn't he just forgive all of us? I, yeah, but, it, but because he had to pour out his wrath because he's holy. He can't change that. When you end, uh, and, and so you touched on it again. How do you start that slippery slope to then end up into blasphemy, universalism, etc.? A lot of it starts with the elevation of the self. That's right. You elevate yourself in the worship service, which is why, and I've given up on this, but like if any, <laughs> if any Valley Deal... People are listening. I, I feel like I feel the need to say, like, I'm not my when we're preparing the service, our primary objective is not whether or not you enjoy the service or you enjoy the music. I think it's wonderful if you do, but the primary that our primary objective is glorifying the Lord. And that's gonna give us the most good and the most sanctification. If we elevate ourselves, if it's all about our preference and enjoyment. 
um, we're we're uh, we're on very very shaky ground indeed because we're not I, worthy of being elevated. Yeah, I think we're the ones being worshipped when we have that attitude. Yes, I want it to be the way I want. It. But see, you can't go too far the opposite way. And I used to be this back when I was young, restless and reformed. I was like, well, you guys, you guys really need. I want silence in between every song. We have to pray for at least twelve minutes. Read yeah. at least five chapters of scripture publicly. You know, and at the end, I just want you. I want your rear end to hurt because you've sat there for three hours not doing it. Right. So that's, that's not, not that's not no. the way to go. The Lord gives us this music as a gift. You know, He gives us the beauty of the Psalms and these Scripture passages as a gift that we can enjoy and be edified all together. So that's in His kindness. It's a both and. It's a both end. We get to enjoy this music and enjoy Him simultaneously. That's right, and 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 that and that's why. We are there. Well, Kirkwood, you have uh, you have really been helpful, and uh, and I appreciate you doing some background, knowing what we're going to talk about today, and and taking time to come in here and tolerating us because um, uh, feelings mutual. Thank and you, you. And you also just made your mother in law very happy. Oh, good, good. I'll have to check my text messages. I don't even know if she was. His mother-in-law is like one of the biggest. Wow, we appreciate that. That's right. You you might not remember this, but you presented her with a a master's degree in common sense. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. That was a beautiful gift. I hope she framed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she definitely did. It's in her house. I see it every time. (laughs) You know what she says to it? What a wonderful gift it was. (laughs) So so anyway, Kirkwood, thanks for being with us. We need to close with a duet. That's good. That's it. Hey, and thanks to each and every one of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bobby University, the podcast.